Hi, it's Martin from In The Mess again. Just to let you know, this content was originally released on our YouTube channel as a video. I've remastered it for podcasts so you can listen to it on the move. But if you want to check out the original content, head over to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Hi, I'm Sophie from In The Mess. And today we're going to talk about hyperkalemia. Potassium levels in the blood are usually much lower than sodium levels, but that's because most of it lives tucked away on the inside of the cells thanks to the sodium-potassium ATP pump. High levels of potassium can be problematic because it causes increased excitability of membranes, and in the heart this can lead to fatal arrhythmias. High levels of potassium can be due to too much potassium intake, too little potassium excretion, or release of potassium from inside those cells. Too much potassium in. This is not frequently encountered, but may be seen with IV fluids containing potassium. This is why we never give more than 20 millimoles of potassium over an hour. It can also be due to really high amounts of potassium in the diet as we absorb most of the potassium that we ingest. For example, drinking lots of Diorolite, taking Sandokay or KCL when it's not needed. This is nice and easy to fix. Just stop giving them the thing that contains the potassium. Too little potassium out. Potassium is mainly renally excreted, so this can be seen in renal failure, either acute or chronic. However, in chronic renal failure, there's some attempt at compensation, so the gut begins to excrete potassium into the colon. This can also be due to the effect of potassium-sparing diuretics, such as spironolactone. ACE inhibitors block the secretion of potassium by aldosterone in the distal convoluted tubule, so you might see a potassium rise in patients who are started on these. Cellular potassium release. This usually happens with some sort of cell death, for example, rhabdomyolysis is the classic cause given. This is seen in people who have had an injury, for example, crush injuries, falls or long lies on the floor. It can also be seen in DKA and certain specialised medications such as theophylins can cause a rise in your potassium. Ensure that the patients are well hydrated and monitor levels of potassium and creatinine kinase as these may rise before the patient gets better. Management. For all patients with hyperkalemia, potassium greater than 5.5, you should do an ECG and check for the causes above. The classical ECG changes of low flat P waves, broad QRS complexes and tall tented T waves indicate patients at risk of deteriorating into fulminant VF and cardiac arrest. This is an emergency. If your patient has a potassium of 5.5 to 6, it should be regularly rechecked to ensure it's not rising and try and treat the cause. For potassium levels above 6 or with signs of instability, you need to treat the hyperkalemia. Treatment is split into three sections. Protect the cardiac membrane. Give IV calcium chloride or calcium gluconate. The aim is to reverse the ECG changes and prevent degeneration into VF. Patients may need repeated doses every 10 minutes if things aren't improving, and these patients should be managed in areas with cardiac monitoring and higher level nursing care, for example, HDU. Shift the potassium intracellular. This can be done in a couple of ways, either with a five milligram salbutamol nebulizer or insulin and dextrose. 10 units of fast-acting insulin with 250 mils of 10% dextrose. These are short-term methods that last one to three hours and will shift small amounts of potassium, around one millimole per litre. They buy you time to fix the problem, but they are not the solution to the problem in itself. Potassium removal. Slow, long-term removal of potassium can be achieved by using either calcium rhizonium or sodium zirconium cyclosilicate. These are poorly tolerated and make patients constipated, but they work by binding potassium in the gut to reduce absorption. For rapid removal of potassium, patients may need dialysis. 
This may be required short-term, for example, while someone is recovering from rhabdomyolysis, or long-term, in patients with fulminant renal failure. It depends on how much of their kidney function recovers. If your patient's potassium does not respond to potassium shifting methods, your patient develops ECG changes, or you think that they need dialysis, escalate this early to your seniors. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you never miss a thing. Thanks for listening to In The Mess Podcasts. This video is intended for educational and entertainment purposes as a supplement to your formal medical education. It is not individual clinical advice and should not take precedence over your organisation policy or normal practice. If in doubt, senior assistance from a qualified person who has direct clinical responsibility for the patient should always be sought.